would you consider yourself someone who participates in the lost art of letter writing? Uh, you know, sometimes, occasionally, very rarely. I feel like if I ever, if someone writes a letter to me, I'll write it back. I'll write a letter back. I think I almost would have pushed it harder. The whole, like, oh, wait, she thought she was in control. Now she's stepped into, like, a total vertigo situation with Doogie Hauser. Like, yeah, the the Duke. Yeah, uh, oh. with the with the with the, the creep from Starship Troopers. Like, oh no. Yeah, yeah, I know. This, I thought this, he was, this guy stinks. I, I thought I was getting uh, the uh, Doogie Hauser, and I got kind of the dark side of Barney from How I Met Your yeah. Mother. Twisted Barney. Yeah. Twisted Barney. That's the Gone Girl Part Two. Twisted Barney. Hello. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. You don't know what you've got until it's gone. What I'm hell? Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Gremion. And welcome and, uh... to The Academy. Don, are you gonna save me from all? Are you? I'm. I'm are you gonna save me from all this awesomeness? I. I'm gonna try my best to. You know, like, I know you've been a cool podcaster to, yeah. for quite a long time. Mm, yeah. And uh, but the bottom line is, Patrick, you don't have to live that life. You know, to you don't have to, uh, you know, prove anything to me or live up to some standard. We can we can enjoy Adam Sandler movies and gain weight together nice yeah i can just play on my uh my xbox all day and buy <laughs> buy laptops you know and <laughs> robotic pets of course we're talking about 2014's gone girl today directed mm-hmm. by david fincher um sensational uh smash success oh yeah for, for all 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 involved the um Boy, I mean, you know, this one is uh, like we kind of alluded to last week, which is kind of interesting. Um, this is not far from kind of the cultural zeitgeist. This remains kind of a movie that people remember, continue to rewatch, continue to have thoughts on. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have some maybe fresh ideas uh, this week. Who's to say? We're going to get into it, though. There's a lot to get into here. Um, Gone Girl, which we will be spoiling. And if you haven't seen it, st- stop the pot. Stop yeah. it now. Stop what it dang, now. What dang rock are you living under, buddy? Come Well, I mean, just get get back to us later. You don't yeah. need us right now. You just need to, gra- you know, let the surprises overtake you. Yeah. Of what happens in this movie, because this movie is, as some would say, a little twisted. (laughs) Much like our our friend, the Clown Prince of Crime. Yeah. A little twisted. It's got a little... uh, um, You ever wonder what would happen if the Joker was, like, in a romantic comedy? You'd probably, like, get this movie. Anyway. Too scary. uh, This movie's available to rent. Through all the services, it's also available on disc. Yeah, I took a look at it on my Blu-ray mm-hmm. edition of it. Uh, how did you watch it? 
I watched it, I believe, on Amazon. An Amazon rental, of course. Classic um, Amazon rental. How was that? Blu-ray special features? Are they good? The special features are... It's got wonderful packaging. It has a, a amazing Amy book in it. But Whoa. the special features uh, just consist of an audio commentary with David Fincher, which is very good, very yeah. insightful, but... Um, doesn't have like the previous editions did the kind of two hour mm-hmm. three hour four hour in-depth documentaries on aspects of the film and i have a feeling it's probably because the companies were moving away from paying for those kind of things gotcha um as you know heading toward the end of the line for uh, everyone buying um physical media and it's actually a good segue because well i was looking at what david fincher was up to between because there was a bit of a breather frankly between girl with the dragon tattoo and gone girl there was um and it may have been because zodiac benjamin button social network and girl with the dragon tattoo all came within a four-year window but (laughs) there was a three-year difference between Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl release date and a big part of that is because a year prior to Gone Girl was the release of House of Cards mm-hmm. season one which of course David Fincher directed David Fincher's first work with the Netflix organization first major series on Netflix and I don't know if you've I mean I've I, I was an avid viewer Ooh. In those initial seasons of House of Cards. I don't know if you were. I watched the um, first episode. I remember watching the first episode. It yeah. it has a Fincherian touch. Of course, it does, you know, have also have <laughs> Kevin Spacey talking to the camera and talking about how that's like, it, 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 if they think they know me, then they don't know an Alabama slamming tall grass. Running the Senate is kind of like you know, cooking, cooking a bunch of ribs. Yeah. Which is silly, but it has, you know, the like if you watch first the episodes he did direct, mm. distinct feel. Oh. And it's it's also a sign of things to come because he was one of the first filmmakers to be willing to kind of get in bed with the streaming service. So that's kind of an interesting seg and the kind of the Gone Girl Blu-ray beginning to not have be as stacked. Yeah, well, he's always previous editions. What I like about Fincher is he's not like um, he's not afraid of going to the future. He's not afraid Mm -hmm. of like using new technology or taking advantage of new mediums. I think I think he wants to retain his autonomy, Mm -hmm. his style, and his method methodology more so than he's inflexible. In those areas and because of that a company like netflix who might not give him traditional theatrical release or um physical media the trade-off is there that they give him complete and utter freedom to kind of continue his work yeah and complete um, control and complete control yes like they're like okay here's what the money we're going to give you you can kind of do whatever you feel like within the context of that. And I think he, some would say that's like a deal with the devil 
but it's a deal I think he's comfortable with. Yeah. I'm more comfortable than many other filmmakers. This kind of gets this recent thing that, um, I don't know if you saw the head of the Cannes Film Festival was interviewed, and, you know, he's a, um, a deeply um, cinema. The, the cinema is the church, you know, Frenchman. <laughs> Thierry Fremu. Uh, and um, he, Zodiac played the Cannes Film Festival, but David Fincher hasn't been back. Of course, Cannes Film Festival is like the pinnacle of true purist cinema, mm. if you will. Um, Dave Fincher has not been back because after Gone Girl, he has not had a movie that has had any, had any level of traditional theatrical release. This is his final major theatrical release to this date, <laughs> which is kind of fascinating. Here is what Fermo said about David Fincher. He is still a great filmmaker, but he doesn't exist at the same level in our hearts and minds than when he showed Zodiac in competition. He wants to work alone, quietly, making his films for platforms. It's a different world. We miss him. We want him back in our world. Then when then when he showed Zodiac in competition. Fincher has left cinema. Fincher now works for streamers where he's directing incredible stuff. I tried to explain this to him modestly, obviously, that he doesn't exist anymore. At least for us. For reasons left up to his own liking, he wants his creative freedom. He doesn't want to fight with the studio heads. His films tend to be very expensive, and I'd love for him to come back to the cinema. He's one of the greats. So. Interesting, interesting right? Yeah, like, it's very, like, uh, you know, it's... Uh, that is, like, yeah, because he didn't, like, really rip, uh, rip into him as much as I did. It's more just, like, it's like a, a, song, a somber plead. Yeah, it is, because I think everyone kind of does feel he, regardless of form, he's still mm -hmm. so talented. sharp and so talented and so interesting. And I think it's like, oh, you want to see him in the sandbox yeah, with the Quentin Tarantinos, with the, you know, Martin Scorsese's, with the Paul Thomas Anderson's of the world. But he chooses to almost, in essence, take his toys and go home. And I mean, you look at a film we'll cover in a few weeks, The Killer. It's so kind of insular in every aspect of it. Yeah. And despite the fact I think it's brilliant, but it's like it is is interesting. It's not. And it's also yeah, and its scope is not like at the same level as um, let's say like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Napoleon. Yeah. It's not like making he's, like um it's not taking the traditional statement that well, he's directors at his caliber tend to try to make with well, their He's films. not sitting there like Christopher Nolan doing Oppenheimer yeah. declaring I'm going to get everything. I'm going to do the entire thing. I'm going to take over the entire I'm going to hit a grand slam the yeah. likes of which, you know. I'm going to be the most like, important filmmaker in uh, the 2020s. Have, have, you, like have, have you heard of Lawrence of Arabia? I'm attempting something at that level. Like that's yeah. kind of like where it, and Fincher does not seem interested in that at all, mm -hmm. which is um, fascinating. Yeah, um, I like that about him. I do too. I actually kind of like it as well um, that he works complete. He's gotten to the point with his artistry where he works. He's able to kind of work almost anonymously. Yeah. I, I'd own. say like, 
It's like the the only person I'd say that's comparable to in a comparable situation to uh, David Fincher is Soderbergh. I yeah, like there are yeah. a lot of similarities. Yeah, like I, I all... think they do too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's an excellent uh, comparison. Uh, but what is really interesting, kind of going back to today's film, is that um, Gone Girl was an utter smash, mm-hmm. and like made everybody ton of money yeah. and did really 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 well as a theatrical traditional theatrical release when this movie came out this was on the tip of everyone's have you gone to see gone yeah. girl like like let's i want to talk about it i want to like you know i saw it with my family i remember seeing that with my family in theaters um i saw it twice in its original theatrical run uh first and this is like we had just moved down to los angeles so we're mm-hmm. celebrating our 10-year anniversary along with gone girl of that and i saw it at the if naturally as one was wont to do the the big amc in burbank was my opening night uh and but then perhaps more importantly i saw it at the ace hotel theater in downtown wow. los angeles and it conclu- and it ended with a q a with david fincher being interviewed by elvis mitchell on stage and um really amazing night and it was just like oh my goodness it was like the first one of these things and the one of the great things about los angeles is that you these actually these opportunities are not like rare to see like these people if you care about movies yeah it's surprisingly accessible (laughs) yeah it's way more accessible than you would ever imagine if you just kind of put in the work to like figure out when they're going to happen and get the tickets in a timely manner I've gone to movies before. Like I saw, I remember I once uh, when I saw Red Rocket at uh, the AMC. I went just to watch that movie, and afterwards there was just like a Q and A, and I didn't even realize that was like part of the experience. Like um, when I saw Ad Astra at the ArcLight, I was walking through the lobby and I saw James Gray just standing wow. there, and <laughs> then apparently he was just like, "I'm going to be at do quick Q and As after every screening on opening day." He they nothing was announced at a time. He's but you know, he's like, I want to promote, I want to be out there and do it. And it's a very like it's an exciting perk, we'll put it that way, of yeah. living in Los Angeles that you don't have to be any sort of insider or have any sort of elite privileges to actually like get a taste yeah. of this world. It was um very funny. David Fincher's wit came out in a big way when um uh, Elvis Mitchell goes. Well, I was talking with Denzel the other day, and Fincher goes, "Oh, you dropped something." And I thought, like, mm. "Oh, that's pretty good, Dave." That's you know, it was like you, mm, droll, yeah, very yeah, droll, very droll. I was like, "That's pretty Witty good." And droll. Yeah, it's like oh, he's he's like I knew he was funny, but he's like he's got he's got a pretty good biting wit to yeah. him, and I think that I mean. If it's ever been on display in any of his movies, it is on display in this movie today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like a it's a it's a, it's a Serbic Serbic wit, mm-hmm. borderline caustic in a good way. Borderline caustic. Yes, this is a <laughs> maybe beyond borderline. Maybe it's just caustic. <laughs> it's, it's caustic. It's by the time. At the end, when they're practically hitting each other, and she's like, "That's marriage, baby." You're like. Yeah, I mean, this is like gotten, the, but like that's like you could tell audiences this movie is David Fincher's most successful 
financially mm-hmm. out of any of his movies. Audiences are like into the idea of kind of being made uncomfortable and poked and prodded a little. They have a little bit of a masochistic streak. Mm-hmm. When I saw this at the AMC Burbank, there were people squealing in the audience and like yeah. laughing their asses off and like, ah, you know, like the the more twisted the thing got. And it was such a great time feeling to be around that. Like, oh, like you could still have this kind of reaction in a group too. And oh, kind yeah. of like, it was just like, and I think that's what maybe what the head of the Cannes Film Festival is talking about with being upset that we don't have David Fincher in a group setting too yeah like i saw the killer in the theater packed full house and people were laughing their asses off all the way through and like i think at home you might take it more seriously and you'd miss the jokes the 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 goofy kind of the the goofy fun of the movie yeah well it's also just like it's so much nicer seeing a movie surrounded by people that are also excited for the film Mm -hmm. and like the, the camaraderie that's like an important i feel like yeah, with David Fincher's films, like, yeah, the camaraderie bring another layer that is very difficult to uh, re-reach uh, by yourself watching it in the dark on your laptop or on your, your mm-hmm. TV or your projector or what have you. Like, it is, yeah, like, I think, like, yeah, that shared experience that you're all witnessing, like, um, you know, just the insanity that Gone Girl is, yeah, it helps. Yeah, and I think, it, and even, like, watching it the other night, I watched it with Jen, we've seen this movie or last 10 years at least once a year probably since nice. its release it's just kind of it's one we like it's yeah, fun it's, movie. it's, yeah. it's like good, weird good, to good. say yeah. it's weird to say a lot but it's fun yeah uh, and we're like back in it talking about like all of the moves that they make both smart but a lot of stupid moves that they make how like everyone due to their own kind of selfish they get arrogant Mm -hmm. and they make mistakes like the only people in this entire movie who are honest and smart and completely who they are are those two redneck thieves yeah they are and like by now jen's been like oh they're my two favorite characters in this yeah, entire well, movie, <laughs> well, they're, they're they're able to clock the Gone Girl, so the yeah. titular Gone Girl, so quickly. It's so clear she's not of that milieu. The fact I know. That, like, it's so she, funny. But she's so her. she's so arrogant that yeah. she's oh, like, yeah, it won't be an issue at all. I've got that. Like, I am yeah. so much smarter and so much better than everyone else. I'm so much above every <laughs> other person in this podunk town. She has such contempt, yeah. for Middle America, and Middle America gets her. <laughs> Yeah, really? the middle like, loves her. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all have a lot of contempt for each other, perhaps. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know. But it's it's and well, the other person is who because they are completely honest with themselves and know exactly who they are is uh, the brilliant Tyler Perry, who we will Man. talk about in a little bit here. And he's so good in this movie. I forgot yeah. how great he is. Yeah, in this he's movie. so good in this movie. He needs to do do roles like this, Tyler. So, what is Gone Girl, Patrick? Hmm. With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. Yes, that is kind of the beginning 
of this story. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll put it that way. There are, um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, uh, abrupt sh- shifts <laughs> throughout this film in a good way. So um, we go back a little bit, though. We had to go back to 2012 when the novel Gone Girl, written by Gillian Flynn, is released. Mm-hmm. This was the same deal yeah. as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It was everywhere. There's a copy of that book in my home, my family mm-hmm. home somewhere. I know that for a fact. I have never read it. Uh, she seems like a very interesting person, though. And I think, based on the interviews I've read with her, her and David Fincher are quite simpatico in their sense of humor and what they find um, mm-hmm. worth kind of poking yeah. at. Um, a bit, yeah. <laughs> she has. Um, she seems to have a cynical nihilistic streak to her as well and likes kind of playing in the dark side of things i think she was working as like a critic at entertainment weekly really did this and basically you know she's written these three novels one was there one i think was called dark places and the other one is called um the girl in a train sharp objects oh sharp objects and which was a very very good miniseries that i really liked a lot with amy adams that john mark philly directed uh, uh, she wrote back. widows oh yeah she, she, yeah widows. and she's mainly been working in a um tv kind of movie because it's, frankly it's easier than writing a novel and there's more money yep. <laughs> but <laughs> let's call it like it is that's, like, that's true <laughs> this is historically i mean ask william faulkner and f scott fitzgerald they kind of started that entire train <laughs> like of like oh this is much better going to all what was the we'll talk about it in the mank episode a lot more when we talk about writers but um ben hecht was the one who wrote the whole like there's money for days and everyone here is an idiot to his like east coast writer friends it's like come on guys <laughs> guys we can do yeah. this guys we can make so much money it's gonna be so easy too we can just sit around You're like nobody knows what they're doing at all here um but the novel was an absolute sensation and um one of the film's executive producers leslie dixon read it in manuscript form and brought it to the attention of one reese witherspoon who the idea was thought that she would be, and I think in a different world yeah I agree that she would be a great Amy that think... would be so interesting because it would be such a great uh, weaponization of her persona yeah yeah, yeah. it would be I, I like what they did here a little bit more because the actress they ended up casting is a little bit more elusive and we don't doesn't have like um, probably because she's British but yeah. um, doesn't have like um, that like America's sweetheart like megastar yeah. person right. like she's she's that girl uh, next door in the same way that like Reese with or like yeah like you're like like and, this like um shining tone and I think like unlike the thing with Daniel Craig we talked about in the girl dragon tattoo episode I think Fincher liked the and would frankly what he does with Ben Affleck too in this movie I think what he liked with the Amy part was he needed someone who you couldn't pin down. You didn't have like that like gigantic prior relationship. You didn't feel like you knew them at all. So they are capable of like anything. Yeah. You just didn't know what they did. Well, it's the same thing with like Rooney Mara and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Like yeah. she gets to like yeah like because this 
I feel like there's a good argument. There's an argument to be made that this is like the role that has defined Grossman Pike's career. Oh, I, this is in the same vein as Jesse Eisenberg in the social network in the same yeah. vein as Rooney Mara and um, Girl Dragon Tattoo. This is her Mount Rushmore movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really, and she's wonderful and been in many things since in oh, the yeah. last 10 years that she's been wonderful in. But this, this is the one everybody's remembers. Yeah. This is going to be the one. You know, yeah. When she, um, yeah, this is the obituary film. This is the obituary film, which is a grim way of putting it, but let's call it yeah. what it is, you know. Um, yeah, not meant in a bad way. Um, so then they, they, um, Reese Witherspoon was in with her producing partner at the time, Bruna Papadera, who they continued to, along with Jillian Flynn, develop it and negotiate that she would be responsible for the first draft of the screenplay as well which is something that you know obviously Steve Larson couldn't do because he had passed away but like doesn't usually happen in these yeah. situations you know you bring in a Sorkin you bring in a Steve Zellian you know right. whoever you to do David, it. Kapp. Um, David Kapp yeah um, she submitted her first draft of the screenplay to Fox Studio December of 2012 and this was before David Fincher had been selected as the director um, but he was interested. He had, um, and after he finished reading her draft, a meeting was scheduled with them within days. Um, but um, David Fincher, after meeting with her and going through the script that he was already impressed with, um, was like, no, we're not going to replace her with a more experienced. I want her. Like, nice. And she later said, he responded the first draft, and we have kind of similar sensibilities. We like the same things about the book, and we wanted the same thing out of the movie. And I think it's, yeah, I think that they just are as people, mm. what they're interested in, what they find funny. Yeah. Uh, like what they, they, they want to like play around with kind of like matches up quite well, which is excellent. In you know, yeah. finding a collaborator, I like poking <laughs> the poking at the festering wounds of <laughs> of of the underbelly of suburban America. Mm -hmm. And um, he um, they basically over the next year work side by side in getting into the game shape, and he kind of trained her in what he want, what he felt the movie how the movie should work and everything like that and like sounds like a really um and this is a complicated deeply yeah. complicated story and so it's makes um makes it tough and the fact that they got where they got is uh pretty amazing um you know i think um you know, and she said in the end she enjoyed the experience making the film and expressed admiration for Fincher's involvement says he really liked the book, didn't want to turn something other than what it already was. Um, and he also reassured her even when she would second guess herself and he flipped around by saying her screenwriting work was very smart, crafty, and extremely articulate. And folks, that sounds like a positive, healthy, and strong working relationship between adults yeah which it's is good like, to know. Yeah, that's nice like, that is nice it, yeah because yeah, you know there's a, like we've covered our fair share of movies where yeah those, those movie those relationships don't exist and it's nice when it does and hard, hard work was done by all with the with a shared goal in mind 
and they accomplished it. Wow. Yeah. How no how how novel. <laughs> I, one thing and one thing I, I will uh, I will say I appreciate about Flynn's script too in 2024 is it's such a great and I think it's purposeful. Like it's such a great time capsule of that era mm-hmm. that from 20 like the Obama years. It's very yeah. like it's such a good like Ooh, and the, we're at um, a point the dark side of them. Yeah. Yeah, like what was just beneath the sur- like kind of the idea of what was just beneath the surface. Yeah, down to like yeah, like the like the cadence and like all the like insane inane like oh yeah, like of course like Nick Dunn has a fucking bar called the bar. Yeah. Like that's like and that's what like what people fucking thought was like really funny and cool. Like I don't know, just they does a good she does a good job but of like capturing that like specific, yeah. Never going hugely into it, but like the consistent reminder that everything is falling apart. Yeah. Just oh. outside their doors too, with like the the, yeah, the unhou- mall. everything from the mall to the unhoused people to the drugs that are everywhere. Like, um, but it's never doesn't really affect the duns. Doesn't touch no. them. But then yeah, also they're... the um the way pe- people are so desperate for like media attention and how they're oh willing God. to flip on a dime and like how it all works and no one has any real beliefs or scruples is just about how you present yourself yeah i feel like in this that moment the, yeah this was one of the first movies that really understood like the 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 dark side of this like vir- virality that comes with modern day social media <laughs> and just like the internet and cable in general and i think that's like one thing it works is like it has these these deep things about marriage men and women yeah like traditional like things that you know we said the word vertigo earlier it's like hitchcock you know was talking about the these kind of like just beneath the surface things but it's also like you were saying it's still and it remains a deeply modern movie yeah in every way shape and form so basically what we're talking about here is the story of Nick and Amy Dunn. Nick Dunn um, is a quote-unquote uh, literature professor. I don't um, believe that. Don't and he know. also quote-unquote owns a bar called The Bar. Get out of here. Leave. <laughs> uh, but when we, and so what I noticed this, so we are introduced and Nick Dunn is played by Ben Affleck mm-hmm. in easily if it's not the tombstone movie it's a top four mount rushmore yeah how level he, performance how is he not nominated for an oscar because it is like one of the well, what best... he's doing is really good acting and it's really nuanced and it's really yeah. like he's also like very brave because he like is consistently like stepping on rakes yeah throughout the entire movie um and he's playing with his own persona. He this is kind of really where he comes into form as kind of the the perfect thing is like a guy who was hot and had the future in front of him, mm-hmm. but now has kind of gone to seed, has kind of got a paunch on his belly. Yeah. Uh think finance financially hasn't been as successful, but he kind of still sees it when he looks in the mirror, like kind of think when he dreams, what what does he see? He sees like the prom king still. Yeah. And so he's got this level of um, only in America unearned confidence. 
Mm -hmm. that firmly believes like, oh, what, me? I've never really been in trouble in my life. I'm never going to get into trouble. No, I've I, never I done just, anything. I'm I can a skater. get away. I skate through. Yeah, I know. I skate. I can lazily skate through and it'll be fine until the day that I realize I have no money left and like I have like liver cancer. And then I don't know what happens in, when that reckoning arrives, but Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I how to would... fix this. But, you know, it's, but I mean, it's like those stories you hear about the people who, and this is dark, but I mean, denied <laughs> the fatal levels that COVID could give you. And it was only until they reached their deathbed. They're like, wait a second, never mind. I want all the drugs. Give me the shots. It's like, well, you had to maybe think earlier, maybe like yeah. be a little Maybe more aware of everything. And I'm, feel terrible for those people I, Yeah, it's a my heart it's goes a bummer, out to but them it, yeah, but, but it's like yeah, and this it's is um a this is a much more like flippant that that's a much more real life situation but it still is that level of kind of a, only in america level arrogance It's even even when faced with like you know a better example is the guy in the mr show sketch who says he's not afraid of any roller coaster <laughs> I ain't afraid of no roller yeah coaster. yeah The 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 murder roller coaster. Yeah, the guy who like the volcano goes off and doesn't move. It's like I'll be fine. It's like, Yeah, well, it's all good. pro yeah, probably not. Um, or like Ellis and Die Hard is probably like the ultimate version of that. The guy who thinks he can negotiate with Hans Yeah. Gruber, and it's like, no, you're dead. You're gonna get shot in the head, dude. And he Yeah. does. Like, you know, like, and Nick Dunn is a much more benign, like. low heart rate version of one of those he's not doing anything extreme really he's just kind of like the ultimate regular guy in a sense um which is that a good thing is that a bad thing you don't seem to like him at all you got a real issue with him in the same vein like i kind of feel like you should have played the um patrick fugit part Yeah. Because I think you could, I think that that's your part if you're acting in this movie. <laughs> like, Well, it's just like, oh my god, they do. Kudos to Ben Affleck. He just does such a good job of like every choice he makes is so very much. He he just he's so good at confidently making the wrong choice and staying and putting his foot in his mouth in such he's a. Mm so hmm. cocky and unearned. He's done nothing in his life other than marrying. someone on the surface who is perfect Yeah, on the well, surface. and he, and he thinks that, like, oh, my God, because, like, there are, like, things he does, like, I think, I guess we should continue on before Mm -hmm. I, I, Yeah. I go into more into Nick, because there's other things, yeah, but, like, yeah, I think there's just, like, choices he makes that are, like, uh, mind-numbingly stupid, but then also, And like, he also, maybe like, I don't, yeah. can't, he, he's incapable of, like, faking it. in any Yeah. circumstance which makes him this is what how he begins to dig his hole Mm we'll put it that way. so basically on their the day of their fifth wedding anniversary nick um frustrated writer -hmm. Yeah. permanent couch surfer nick dunn Oh, yeah. uh spends the morning at his bar with his sister um margo go his twin sister despite her being um two heads shorter <laughs> than him Fraternal, <laughs> I and guess. Very, and about very extremely fraternal. <laughs> yeah. 10, and about 10 years younger <laughs> but, 
but played by really the true. the wonderful Carrie Coon. This oh yeah, is the first. Really this was the first time I ever uh, like registered her, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, many many things since then. Um, but I think a yeah. lot of people kind of worry, and she came out of the Chicago uh, theater scene. That Steppenwolf crew, as oh, we all yeah. know and love. Well, she has, she she's, is, like a, she's well, a character actor. You know actress. she's married. You know she's married to. Wait, who? Tracy Letts. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? Dude. Yeah. Damn, Tracy. Power, wow. Power, power household right there. Ooh. But um, yeah. So she's like high mind, very serious actor, and she yeah. comes in and just like hits a home run in this movie. He has decided to play board games with her all morning rather than wait around for his wife on her anniversary. Um, and we kind of get the feet. We get to know like, oh, neither of them can really stand his wife. Yeah. Trouble in paradise. We, we go through this really, really interesting um, backstory through flashbacks of kind of the courtship of Nick and Amy. But what's really interesting and like, this has always been there, but it's like fun to point this out is that it's all from the POV of the diary that she's written, which means mm. how reliable is any of it? Yeah. It's, like do you how believe, do you, do you, do you buy into Amy Dunn's uh, version of this version. story at all? Or is it a version to show that things are once beautiful and now, curdled um and in these flashbacks they're in new york they're both writers they're both witty and clever they meet over ipas and make fun of people at a party what, what a what um, a snapshot of just the, the type of party that exactly yeah. mean, i guess that party's still like but it's just like yeah it was very like oh yeah this is just that era where people it, like it was know. it was that it was that new york rock is back yeah kind of like uh, brooklyn is hot everybody moving to williamsburg I'm gonna, kind of yeah, era. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a weird mustache to be cool. Yeah, it's like, have you heard the new Grizzly Bear album? I have. I love it. Yeah, it's um, a great album. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Like all the art from that era was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Amy Elliot Dunn is played by Rosamund Pike, as Patrick mentioned. Now Rosamund Pike, I remember when she got this role, I was like, oh wow, like another kind of Fincher curveball. Because I mean, she'd been known. She was a one of her, like her first part ever was in the world is not was the die another day I think like she was a Bond girl. Oh yeah, that was like the first and she had done like theater before then, but she was pretty. Oh, she was like an evil Bond girl if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, but she was like picked uh, out of obscurity basically to play in this Bond, and she'd been in um, you know numerous British like you know high end British movies hadn't right. done um a ton of um you know prior to that well she was of course in the doom with the rock in 2005 oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but i mean <laughs> we're, for the most part we're talking about the pride and prejudices the in educations of the world yeah. um, and then it, it's funny yeah because there is she was like, in yeah, she, she was in jack reacher with oh, yeah. Cruz. she was the girl in that mm. oh she was <laughs> in surrogates i remember surrogates mm -hmm. and um you know, a year before, just a year before this, she's in The World's End, the Edgar Wright movie, which um, is a big favorite in our household. Yeah, I'd well. say that's his, uh, that might be, it's like a tie between Hot Fuzz and that one for my favorite. See, uh, and the, I like that one and. Um, Shaun of the Dead. Last Night in Soho. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I, you know, wow, I'm a big like Last a... Night in Soho fan. I like the vibes of Last Night in Soho, <laughs> even though I, I don't know if it like the ending is 100% for me, but I like the... I think cinematically, it's like... It hits a lot of notes that I like. It because pops. It's, it's darker. It's mm -hmm. darker. You know, I think I like that. Yeah. But uh, World's, I, End, I... World's End is a wonderful film about male friendship. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's Jen's favorite. If she was on the show, she'd tell you. Yeah. It's but, like being a lad. But in general, she hadn't had like this like massive lead role to kind of like um, show just like what her chops are. And, you know, obviously this and then many films that have followed has proven her chops time and time again. You know, she's, oh, yeah, yeah. she's the total package. She's a great actress. She's chops beautiful. on chops. She's beautiful she's versatile you know all everything um and we yeah, when we meet her she's exactly that to ben affleck she's yeah. like oh my gosh she's like she just seems like this like talented gorgeous you know amazing person yeah. mm -hmm. and of course we also find out there is a series of children's books made uh we have to give a shout out to lisa baines and um David Clennon and David Clennon as oh, her parents. AKA Palmer in the thing. Yes, the fucking ruled seeing that guy. He's such a, and also he's in Light Sleeper. He's one of yeah. the drug dealers in Light You're Sleeper. Right. You're right. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. He's great. Such a great um, character actor. But they are so like her parents who are like, like these opportunists, like uh, through through who made these children's books called Amazing Amy. That she is the the inspiration for, but Amazing Amy is like perfect in every yeah. way, shape, and form, and she kind of like lives with that as her like, and God only knows because what I like about this movie, it's like leaves leaves that up to interpretation on how mm. what kind of like impact that had on her mentally to be compared yeah. to this fictional character her entire life by her opportunist parents who are using every aspect of her childhood to sell books and keep the roof <laughs> over their head. Yeah, especially when it's like uh, she's. I think she drops that line where it's like, "Yeah, I, uh, I quit playing the cello, and yeah. then Amazing Amy won fifty cello competitions yeah. or whatever." And it's just like, yeah. "Yeah, that's that will hurt your brain psychically." Yeah. But you know, she's regardless of any of that. I mean, she's a Harvard grad. She's clearly brilliant. Oh yeah, no, it's super you know, intelligent. Every yeah, yeah. everything she has everything. So of course, like Nick Dunn is like, "Wow, jeez." <laughs> like not gonna let not gonna let this one slip away. Yeah, Tex te <laughs> like, better use my uh, sugar storm trick, the classic, yeah. classic cl sugar storm trick. You ever try that? I <laughs> like. Nah, I did that, and it was uh, it turned out it was a uh, an anchovy storm. It wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't we know. did not get a second date. Um, did not get a second date. Did uh, not get a second date. So, um, and we kind of basically we see running concurrently for the first hour of this movie. Mm -hmm. These flashbacks up until present day with Ben Affleck realizing he gets home after his date at the bar with his sister um, to discover his house ransacked, but ransacked in a very like clean mm -hmm. and organized way. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like one mm -hmm. table's kind of tossed like the little, like it's just like, Oh, knock down this shell. Like, like, but it's not really like, a very polite it's a very polite ransacking, ransacking yes and amy is gone mm. completely gone and he calls the cops 
because he's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. But he's, we also <laughs> he doesn't really like her at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not hugely concerned about yeah, where she may have gone. <laughs> like, doesn't seem super which, invested. Which brings up a lot of red flags from our investigating police officers. And we'll just say it now. This is the best cast movie David Fincher has made. Everyone yeah. in this movie is great. And everyone is kind of unexpected. They're not like outside of Ben Affleck. No one is like a, like an A-list superstar. But mm -hmm. everyone is so they fit like a glove in okay. terms of what they what is asked of them, what kind of characters they're playing. So we meet the two detectives uh lead detective detective rana um, ronda boney who's played by kim dickens who's an Ooh. excellent actress always welcome presence you know tv movies you name it and then uh her partner is officer james gilpin played by patrick fugit who most of us remember from almost famous mm -hmm. um now almost from, now all grows up um she's my age come on <laughs> it's also <laughs> also in saved yeah, I, uh, and he's become yes. a um, very good, very good adult actor. Yeah, like he's kind of like it's like he's like the Lu a Lucas Haas type, you know? He does. Yeah, like... uh, yeah, but like a little like um, yeah, but I think he's done um, he's very strong, uh, and I gotta give a big shout out. He was in a um horror movie a few years ago that didn't get a ton of talk, but it's called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To that Jen and I watched when it came out and we're both, and this was like a pandemic movie, came out in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, very strong picture. Recommend it wholeheartedly. But he's oh, he was in First Man, he was in uh, Queen of Earth, he's in Babylon. Um, so, yeah. Very good actor. Yeah. Um, and there on the scene, um, Rhonda uh, Kim Dickens is very... Um, they, how they portray her she um i think she's a very good detective yeah. i don't think I th she's competent she, she's she's very competent she doesn't let her emotions mm -hmm. get to her she doesn't cast judgment like patrick fugit his kind of character and we were joking patrick could play him was like yeah this guy's an asshole yeah like, this guy sucks. where's his, where's your wife man like it was like it was like yeah, well, yeah you, you... you're being really like <laughs> odd you're yeah. not you don't seem emotionally invested. I and I, seen like, a single I like, tear. like, basically, what's described the first hour is like the reason he becomes a villain is his just pure apathy toward yeah. the entire thing. Like, he just can't even get like excited or even like fake it to well, like be like, like the, be the concerned husband that he's supposed to play on TV. Well, it's like he's he floats through life and you can't float through your, your wife disappearing. You can't. <laughs> You can't put on a smile yeah. and like charm people into thinking you give a shit about your wife. Yeah. yeah. Because like you're immediately like, going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy killed his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy has yeah. wife murderer written all yeah. over him. And, which Patrick Fugit's like, yeah. Like from the second day, like two sentences in, he's like, man, this, this guy, not, I don't, yeah. not, my, not my kind of guy. Vibes are bad. Uh, Detective Veranda, though, is um, willing. Yeah. Yeah. To let it slide until she has the appropriate evidence. Mm -hmm. She's not going to cast judgment on him just because he's 
seems to be acting a little less than expected. And so basically what follows here is like this media shitstorm. Really well done. Really real. Like with the, the cable news people, the local news people, the hangers yep. on, everybody's there. Jen, I had a big question. Patrick, who goes to a prison to boo someone when they're getting out of jail? Like, and wait, like, who are the people who go to like executions and just kind of like wait around and hang out outside that? Like, I. Or go like even like during like the OJ trial, who like goes just like who's got the time just to go like hang out yeah. at the courthouse? Like who are these people who get so involved in like a case that they have absolutely nothing personal personally to do with? Yeah, that is like deeply insane. Like you have to be it's like Noah one... Noah Emmerich and little children, like that level of like unhinged and like Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, that's a good like way of putting it. It's like, why are you invested in this? Like beyond like 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 who's like sitting around watching like you know even that like Gwyneth Paltrow trial from like last year that everybody was talking about the skiing thing. I couldn't imagine like anything other than a cursory look at the article in the New York Times summarizing it after it was over to have any interest beyond that. Yeah, I mean that like we've we have no like unifying thing anymore yeah and that's and... like what then that's what fills the void for some folks <laughs> i mean we watched the uh i was in middle school when the oj thing mm -hmm. happened we watched the verdict in class when oh, it was wow. on tv that's interesting yeah and i'll never forget it the class cheered when he got let off Wow. And my teacher goes, well, you just cheered of murderer. <laughs> the room. Whoa. And even in like seventh grade, I was like, hmm, that was an interesting moment that I'm never going to forget the rest of my life. <laughs> like, Much to think about. That would be like the crux of a, a movie. Yeah. Like a different, like, yeah that's... Huh. Okay. It's like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I don't, probably should not have had that on TV in general. But yeah, it's, like... it's deeply, yeah, deeply. I think I would argue that that the teacher's in the wrong. Yeah, but it was yeah. every class. It was every classroom. It was the biggest thing. It was so yeah. big, and and I guess that's kind of like these media storms about these things. That's this movie's both portraying and kind of satirizing, mm -hmm. um, and does an incredibly good job of kind of just getting into like the true cynicism yeah. of of this the media side of it and even Julian Flynn I read she considered the media the third main character yeah, in, the, attracts. in the story yeah so and Nick is like making mistake after mistake after mistake it's really like, it's like, like rakes. Go, stand, stand next to the photo Nick and he kind of like leans over and gives a shit-eating grin next to her like missing photo it's oh, like God. you half expect to like point at it like what's up what's <laughs> like, up dude what's up dude oh. and so it's like, and it just kind of like, so the movie built from there up until like, basically, um, we keep learning about Nick being a bigger and bigger fuck up. We get this great vigil scene where he has to give this speech that he comes off as so phony. It's, yeah. it's insane. It's and painful. we also, it's painfully silly. And, oh, it should also be noted that um, 
when we meet Amy and Nick, we find that Amy's like really, really into like these like games and like puzzles Oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And like for their anniversary, she sends him on like a scavenger hunts for his gifts and stuff like that. But what he and what he doesn't realize is that for his fifth anniversary, she's sending him on a scavenger hunt to basically like dig his own grave. Yeah, you're going to ruin your own life. ruin his life and he basically and then but it's so interesting like as it progresses and he gets worse on tv he's her parents are like what's his deal the cops are like what is this guy's deal his sister is undyingly loyal to him and like she's like kind of the tragedy of the movie Mm yeah in some she's sense like she, she's also like um you know she's the she gets the shrapnel mm -hmm. and basically yeah what we found out is that As their Amy and Nick's relationship progressed, they found that Nick's mother, who Nick is from the Midwest originally, was ill. They leave New York to move to the Midwest to, in like a Supreme McMansion Mm -hmm. type Which thing. to, to Amy is like being uh, sent Hell. to like per yeah, hell. Forget Yeah, purgatory. she's prison. It's hell. Yeah, It's she's like it's yeah, she's it's being perdition. sent to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Call Tom Yeah. Hanks. It's the damn road to perdition. Yeah, exactly. And she's just like, this this sucks. These all these people are losers. My husband turns out total fucking loser. Yeah. <sighs> my God, my husband's <laughs> a goober. I'm in yeah, Gooberville. yeah. <laughs> He was faking being like a guy who writes for GQ and this cool dude in blazers Yeah, in New York yeah, who drinks IPAs. Guess what he really wants to do? Watch the game over cheap American beer he he and he wants pass to play out on the couch he wants and to play rake Call up of Duty and on rake his fucking and rake up credit card bills yes. Oh my on god! her dime because Yeah. everything is under her name. Mm hmm. He doesn't seem to have any discernible income. He works at the college as an English professor. He, I kept, keep loving when they're like, oh, you can finally work on your book. How many times they say that? And it's like, this guy's never writing a fucking book. No, Like, yeah. You think this guy could make club sandwich? Get the fuck out of I know, here. this guy's not, yeah, you can't even write club sandwich, my Yeah. man. I feel like, yeah, fucking Burt Reynolds and starting over has written more things of worth than this fellow. You know, we've met many a professor who are <laughs> on higher on the intellectual scale than Nick Dunn. yeah. He needs to hang out with author, author. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That yeah. guy was doing. Yeah, I was writing plays with eighteen kids. Yeah, with this kid's like named Igor and He didn't even have time to change into jogging pants to work out. <laughs> <laughs> he had to run in jeans. I he forgot had to run in jeans. about that. Remember the What opens. is The movie opens with him in like tight jeans on a jog with his sons. deeply insane? Anyway, What a great author, oh, you author. should watch that again Yeah, we one should. day. I bought the poster. I have. I bought it like an original poster. I have Yes, it <laughs> yes. things. The things you can find at eBay on eBay when you can't sleep. Um. So, then we find out. So, if this was enough, we discover that Nick. Is one hundred percent having sex with one of his students Yeah, as well. oh my god, yeah, what a great reveal, what a... So funny, <laughs> not, but it it is. yeah, it It's is funny, it, it's, yeah, it is. it's so, like, comically, like, ah, oh, it's just, like, so, You're just like, what an ah, Elmer Fudd-ass motherfucker, this, he this, this he's dork. and he can't. He's like, we should. You gotta go. Like, I'm gonna be. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Oh, your your boobs are out. Okay, stay the night. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> All the... literally that's
how he reacts. And then, yeah. of course, his like sister's like, "You fucking idiot!" Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, she's the voice of like, it's yeah, like, she is like our the audience surrogate. Do you realize, dude? Do you realize how stupid that is when every eye on America is on you and everyone wants to paint you as another asshole husband who murdered their wife? Yeah, like, um, like the fucking swords are out, man, for you. The, <laughs> like the yeah, the culture, like the, yeah, everything. You, the, the conversation you, is not in your favor, and you can't keep your dick in your pants for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fucking play some more Call of Duty, bro. Just like, <laughs> drink beer and fall asleep. Drink beer, watch watch the game. Or one of the many games. There's so many games. Watch the, one of the games. All of them big. Every yeah. one of them big. Well, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, a lot of big games. So all of this kind of like comes down to they discover the burnt diary, her burnt diary that we've been hearing the entire time mm-hmm. that ends with, I think my husband's going to kill me. Not and a great thing to find. His response, his response, wall, correct and funny is wrong. He goes, "Well, that's awfully convenient that it ends like that." It's like, yeah, he's right. That yeah. is very. He's like totally right, but he's also like, dude, like you're you can't be flippant anymore. You cannot be like. But yeah. one thing that's great about this guy is that they never, um. They never betray his character. They never make him get smarter or like pull it no. together or anything like that. He's he remains exactly true to himself from mm-hmm. minute one to minute two hundred or hour two thirty. You know, yeah, he, it's a brave performance, like you said from from Affleck. It, it is, is like a really because it's like, not. Yeah. Um, he's not likable. He's not trying to do what he did in like Armageddon anymore yeah. like doing or Pearl Harbor if this is a very like yeah it's like he's willing to like say the audience has patience to follow him ostensibly as the leading character solving this mystery but also like not really like him or certainly not respect him yeah you know which might be worse frankly because <laughs> like, you, be, yeah. you can be you can be cool and not be liked yeah but like he's not particularly cool. No, that's the thing. It's an uncool. He's an uncool character, which makes and it by like, the end when she's totally like got him completely ensnared and literally has him naked in the shower, telling him how he's going to live the rest of his life. God, you like you feel you do. Yeah, you do feel. Oh no, you feel of, yeah. because he's 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 in the prison at the end of it. Oh, which it is sucks. amazing. Yeah. It's but he deserves it. So oh, he does. Yeah, a little bit. They, yeah, it is. Like, well, I mean, that's like the big joke of this movie is that they deserve each other like, yeah like, uh, you know, like, which it is yeah because it's like it's not like she's happy she does no. not like yeah no she is oh God, she doesn't it respect is just, him she thinks no. he's a loser but as long as he like plays the part she needs him to play anyway we're jumping ahead to the yeah. end of this picture um Basically, what this all winds down to is that we find out, like, oh, there's a ton of evidence that has been either there or planted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That basically scream, oh, he did it. Like, her blood is now found in the, like, co- covered up, like, cleaned up, but, like, traces of it are still there. Yeah, it's not, not cleaned, cleaned well. well. Um, 
all like the a... stuff he claimed to not know about on his credit card bill was found behind his sister's house in the wood. Take him out to the woodshed. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, getting and, the sister involved. <laughs> and basically, Rhonda's like, "Okay, finally, fuck you, you asshole. You're under arrest." and then we we also have to say that bef- um is it before or after he gets officially arrested where they had that like candlelight vigil it's before. Like, yeah yeah we have to say that like before he does like tell an audience which for me this was like the biggest like oh my god dude don't say where he goes just i want to be clear i didn't kill my wife and you're like oh it should also be noted that the very wonderful Casey Wilson plays the neighbor, Noel Hawthorne, who claims to be Amy's best friend. Oh, and Ben yeah. Affleck is so in the clouds about anything in his world that he doesn't notice that they hang out. And yeah. he's like, I never met. He, maybe she's got friends. He's like, who are her friends? He's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, he has no, she... no clue. He has no clue about anything, but she's like, and then she like revealed, Tell, why, where's your pregnant wife? And it's like, oh, no. Like, uh, now, now his pregnant wife is missing, which is even sicker. Yeah. And, more, and the true crime people start salivating even more. The sickos. Yeah, the, the, like, the Missy Piles. And yeah. Whatnot. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. great as the, uh, the evil. As the, uh, what's her name? Nancy Grace, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's a total like facsimile of the, the cable news host who is just like, salivating for salacious uh ratings yeah <laughs> so the worse and the more she can suggest and the more like you know yeah, i was like, the, more like, the, like the, the fox news host we all know your house isn't on fire but what this uh well we're questioning about obama's america is is perhaps it is mm. <laughs> go, go check on your house it's on fire right now <laughs> uh. um so anyway he gets arrested, and then we cut backwards in time, and the story becomes from Amy's perspective uh, from man. the beginning. It's a great, and, yeah, it gets great. That's and like, we get this the... like midpoint. This is this is our um, Hall of the Mountain King regatta moment. This is our Daisy's accident moment. Um, this is our um, it's one of the dragon. T- what's the one in Dragon Ted? There's another big like might just be in an investigatory mm-hmm. sequence and oh uh, in dragon tattoo but it's like um he always has this like showstopper sequence this like statement of intent like i'm going to show you how great of a director i'm going to we're going to give you this like massive montage it, and it's it's going to knock you on your ass <laughs> basically <laughs> it's like it's so good and how well put together it is and this is the cool guy or cool girl monologue as it's kind of come to be known where she states just how angry she is how much of a loser she thinks her husband is how fucking sick and tired she is yeah about... how much she she hates like the mil- misera and like the, the whole milieu she's forced to like you know but she, date she, to, to she, she hates having to like live the life of the perfect wife like everything she hates yeah. She's just like so full of venom and rage. And regardless of her actions that follow, I can see how this is like something that um, it's like the inverse of America Ferrara's speech in Barbie. 
Yeah. <laughs> about the female situation. It's like a little more honest and like mean. And yeah. it maybe hits a little closer to home yeah, in a lot well, of ways. Like, and... Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, you see those scenes where she just like gets to like rip into the junk food and eat I it. I know. And she all yeah. she all this woman wants is a fucking big gulp. Yeah. Uh, like a guilt free big gulp. And sweatpants and like a yeah and like a uh, king size Kit Kat. It is so fascinating too that like I feel like everything she hates is also what she like desires. <gasps> well, I think that uh, she she what's so interesting about Amy is how like <sighs> contradictory she is. She she hates putting on the show, but she also knows the show is the only way to get what she wants mm. too. Like she can't live. You know, swirling big gulps. She can't have the money. She can't have like the prestige. She can't have like everyone wanting to be her, which is she her arrogance. Her mm -hmm. arrogance will not allow. That's why, like, the funniest part is that she keeps mis moving the post it note that says kill self. She's got this like <laughs> perfect plan, but she's like, I can't follow through. I'm awesome. Yeah, I'm like, too I cool. Have, <laughs> how could I die? Like, that would suck. Like, yeah, I love me. Yeah, I love me more than anything else. And she underestimates her own ego in a way. And when, and she, all she really wants is to have Ben Affleck be as strong of a phony as she is and not play mm -hmm. her. Like, like, and basically what's pissed her off is that he's, since moving to the Midwest, completely dropped the act. Yeah. Because she, like, yeah, because, like, you know, in the beginning, there were, at least from her perspective, there were hints of, like, oh, this guy plays the game the way I do, and he, and he's, like, a little above it all in the way I'm above it all. Yeah, and we look good together, and mm -hmm. we, you know, all these, like, she can't, it's like this battle between being amazing and not, mm -hmm. and she wants to rebel, but she's not, she's way too embedded in the a cultural milieu of her class to actually rebel. Yeah. And she... what's been challenged is like the rebellion is from her stupid husband who has made her move to a city that doesn't have, not New York. I mean, let's be honest. The only city she could live in is New York. Yeah. She has to live in a place with like an, a thriving theater scene and like places she can show her skills mm. within the highest class level milieu um yeah it's it's very interesting and she wants to it's also kind of a reverse vertigo she wants him to be a very very certain way even though she's calling him out for saying he wants her to be a very very certain way but what's worse is that it really all comes down to the fact that she discovers him cheating with the young woman, yeah. mm -hmm. the younger, skinnier, hotter model. To the other, you know, the put other it cool, bluntly. Yeah, the cool girl, the new cool girl, the new cool girl. Yeah, you can't and, be cool forever. That's the problem. And someone who will accept too. His kind of paunchy, middle-aged, bad professor, Midwest uh, yeah. guy. At least for a yeah. bit, uh, yeah. you know, he doesn't even have to fake it anymore. He didn't even have he. He's flaunting no. it. He's going out into like he's like at the bar making out with this like twenty two year old, like how gauche. Yeah, 
How yeah. good? How cliche? How cliche? Yeah, and she's not cliche. She's amazing. No, she can't live that fucking life. No. And all of these losers who don't live up to her standard, as much as she thinks she's like doing it for almost like I think that that's why one of the reasons it's gotten a little bit of trouble from women was she thinks she's doing it as a statement about women, but she's actually just doing it about her own like selfishness. Well, it's like it's what like she wants. How, yeah. Well, she doesn't want to be like it's like when he makes out. With like this younger, suddenly she's not like the main character anymore. She's like yeah. a footnote in this guy's life, and this is yeah, her being like, "But oh, I'm not gonna be a footnote in this I guy's pay, life." I pay, I pay for all this shit. We're out of money, and you've got me yeah. stranded on this island in the Midwest, this dying town. Mm-hmm. And you, made you, know, me, you forced me to be part of your narrative. Yeah, and, yeah, and like, no, this is my story, bitch. Yeah, I'm amazing, Amy, motherfucker. Yeah. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it should also be noted, like Patrick and I live to, it's like they live in this McMansion. They're you know beautiful, and they've got yeah. everything. Everything around them, they're in the background of every scene in the exteriors. There are people walking around with shopping carts. There are people living on the street. They mm-hmm. have to investigate this decrepit dead mall. At one point, which oh, is a very man. scary sequence, feels like they're um they're going into like the the belly of a dead giant or something. It's yeah. very like yeah, there's something very like um just like uh, decrepit and uh it just it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels it's yeah, it feels very like at the end of you're at the end of something, something died and you're 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 witnessing a desiccated thing. Yeah, there's like um the the vibes of like the financial crisis and the lack of recovery. Yeah. are very real in this movie despite never being said out loud that's a great it, yeah which is cool um interesting yeah. um i love so that. she's on the run she dyes her hair she kind of like decides i'm not gonna do the whole like chic clothes the cool hitchcock blonde hairstyle yeah. like i'm um, not gonna be business smith yeah so and she goes and like lives in this like um long-term rental motel the like ozarks or something yeah very yeah she's she's quickly meets this couple greta and jeff played by lola kirk and the dude boyd holbrook love me some boyd holbrook what a yeah me too yeah what a great underrated actor i feel like i like him too he's like our generations he's like the next generation's ben foster a guy who like should get more chances at the plate and just uh he will i mean he, he he he's he's you know He's yeah. our beloved. He's our beloved, Mister Narcos. Hell yeah! So, hey, but the best part of the the Dial of Destiny. Oh, I mentioned so. I haven't seen yeah. it. I got to someday. I don't know why. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why. You don't have to. Don't worry about it. Or maybe you will. I don't know. This yeah. series, series meant a lot to me over my life, and it's never happened. I don't know why. There's there's good definite i don't know i'll let you watch it and you'll figure it yeah. out on your own someday yeah, yeah anyway he made seven um you know for lack of a better term they kind of come off as a little um yeah a little trashy a little yeah. yeah yeah they they give her this great like huge lower back tattoo <laughs> like, it's like they really lean in on it hard he's got like a mystery cast which is always like a good <laughs> thing to have if you're like a guy who looks like him so how'd yeah. you break your hand, bro? <laughs> like, yeah, I do love that. Yeah, that is a great. If you're gonna like, you know, set dress, um, like give him a 
That's a good yeah, costume like, tip. Yeah, yeah, it's like, how do you how do you break your wrist, guy? Um, and she kind of like gets with them, but they're like, you can tell immediately they're they're shifty customers. Oh yeah, but she can't, which is so interesting. Like she does not oh. pick up, and she thinks like, oh, they're just these two rubes. Yeah, and like even though like when we're watching, like no, they're not. Mm-hmm. They, when you have to operate in a world that not, when things are not given to you, and you're operating from like a bad like two strikes already yeah mm-hmm. like a what rough you are, place what you are capable of and what you're open to and you're kind of street smarts to stay in the game and which is the game of life yeah um you're savvy too much savvy much savvier and amy kind of gets the brunt of it and they rob her and lola kirk gets like probably my favorite line <laughs> like lady you will meet people who are way worse than us. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, like, you're getting like, off easy. Yeah, you're getting off easy. There are people who are way worse than us. Like, <laughs> and it was just like, oh, that opens up like the entire universe. Like, this is so kind of weirdly insular and yeah. upper class what they're doing. And it's like, oh, no, the underclass is like waiting for you. Yeah, she left the bubble and she realized, oh, the bubble isn't that bad. What have I, I done? Yeah, I should go back to the 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 ultimate bubble. Yeah. Thus, we must discuss her wealthy ex-boyfriend, Desi Collings, played by the imitable oh, Neil yeah. Patrick Harris. <laughs> um, what a great uh, yeah. Perfect. He's perfect in the movie. He's oh, yeah. so weird and so funny all the and way through. Yeah, and it's it's so funny too because you never quite get like the extent of like um well, his he's, yeah he's like obsessed with her but he's obsessed with this very very certain version of her and he's mm-hmm. like f- he seems physically repulsed by her like trashy Walmart chic oh, that yeah. she has gone with. and he's like we're gonna fix your hair we're gonna get you some real clothes this yeah. is a uh, you're, and you're gonna go you're, on a diet too. You're gonna lose a little you're weight. You're gonna as lose. Well. You yeah. gotta lose. The, yeah, he's like, he's vertigoing her. Oh, like from the start. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about it, it's like, oh, like everybody just has like a motive. Like yeah. no one is like just there to like be like help. Or like there's decency does not exist, basically. Or and if you are decency, you decent. Like I think like. I think Scoot McNary's character, we'll talk about him in just a moment here, may have been decent once in his life, mm-hmm. but he got so run over that he's just bitter. That's all he has left. He's, is, a, ruined, he's, he's a ruined guy. He's, he's ruined. totally yeah, ruined. He's just yeah. ruined. Um, and it could go two ways. You could either be Neil Patrick Harris, who's like holding out hope and I'm, I'm going to win one day, or you yeah. could be just loser ass Scoot McNary, who's broken. Yeah. You know, and what we're, then that's kind of where we leave Margot. At the end mm-hmm. of the movie, too, it's like, how can Margot even like live with like, mm. oh, I got to run the bar while my brother is imprisoned <laughs> by this God, cr- yeah, she's, scary, yeah, she's, scary woman. She, yeah, she's getting embittered by this whole experience. Oh, but no. they also realize, like, from the jump too, and Rosamund Pike's performance is so funny how she like utterly manipulates Neil Patrick Harris mm-hmm. from the well, jump. She, she can read him. She knows his yeah. like. Oh, she knows she. Patch. She's like his game is so obvious to her. 
Yeah, so well, like, oh, I mean, I can... and he's and he's of her world. Like this is yeah. like, yeah. But she's like, I can totally get everything I need. Like he, this is this. It, it's almost as if like, oh, I had this backup plan the entire time. <laughs> like yeah. they, this, this is always like. That was why she kept like he kept his like letters and stuff like that. It was like, oh, just in case someday, <laughs> I might need to my... use this. This is my failsafe, deeply insane. Love this, it. Yeah, this failsafe yeah. that I'm gonna like, but we don't know how, what she's how how far, she's Ooh. willing to go to use this guy. Like we find out though. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, though, Nick has been arrested. He's in big trouble, so he needs to hire celebrity defense attorney Tanner Bolt, oh. played by the wonderful Tyler Perry, who he gets some of the best very best lines in this time because he is just a pure cynic yeah who is just like i've this is what i do i yeah. defend jackasses like you in public you know in the court yeah. of both in court and the court of public opinion and i know how the game I'm is good played. At, and i'm very very good at it and yeah i know every get piece of the media game to like flip the narrative basically on you and Oh yeah, it's a hundred thousand dollar retainer, but you figure that out. <laughs> Have your sister mortgage her house? <laughs> yeah. Good God. Good God. And basically where all this like leads up to is that Nick goes on TV with another TV host, Sharon Schreiber, played by Celia Ward. And Nick does like he finally gets puts on his big boy pants on how to play the game. Yeah. And he like admits to his affair. He admits he's like, you could be a bad guy bad husband but not be a murderer and he like you've seen it mm -hmm. on tv before with real people and it works perfectly the public he's now a sympathetic villain rather he's than sorry. just a pure villain he's sorry he's, he's sorry <laughs> okay so what does america love more than taking somebody down a notch a really good apology oh yeah <laughs> And then rising like the phoenix, I will never forget when Tiger Woods won the Masters after he went through all of his stuff. Everyone yeah. forgot about all of his indiscretions and how he was like such like a like horn like horn dog supreme. Yeah, horn dog supreme. Just um, total. No, because guess what? He triumphed in sports. Yeah, my favorite thing. <laughs> so it's like he's amazing. It's all good. You can have your games, but you know you can have uh, the PGA Tour video game back. Buddy. I know. It, I, I was like, yeah. He apologized. He paid his, and he's back, man. It's, he's back, yeah. and we love Phil, him. Phil Mickelson seething. Yeah, I know. I know. Phil, degenerate gambler. Phil Mickelson. Yeah, That's really Phil interesting. <laughs> he is really like a he is a he's a he's Safety a, Brothers character. You no, know, he is. Yeah, he. I. I. The, he's. He's a great movie character. Like you, like crank him up, like to an like <sighs> from like a nine to maybe like eleven or twelve. You got a really oh, good movie. I think imagine, you got a really good movie there. About imagine like, if a degenerate sports gambling professional golfer who has the income to do it all, but can't ooh. like stay out of their own way. It's good what? stuff. And imagine if Michael Shannon gained a little weight. Let's not let's not let's not pitch this too hard. This is actually a good idea. Yeah, we gotta keep. We might edit this. We might edit this out. We might edit this out. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Amy 
and Desi watched the interview on TV and Amy is blown away by Nick playing the game and doing all looking good. He wore the watch. She gave like all of his little touches that only she yep. would think of that he thought of too. Oh, he's an equal again. I can go back to this man. I can go. Wait a second. What's an even better story? <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and what she got is when she gets introduced to Desi's amazing lakeside manner, um, yeah. she's shown where all the security cameras are, and she strategically only walks into frame on the security cameras to show that she's being tortured in some way, shape, or form. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. She does all sorts of stuff I don't want to talk like. Yeah, I remember seeing there's a big moment. I don't feel comfortable yeah. describing. It's not my it's place. A, <laughs> suffice to say, there's a big moment involving a wine bottle. Yeah. This, which is like, I ever seen, I think it's the most shocked I've ever been I, in a movie we've theater. Seen, we've watched this movie 10 times over the years. We gasped. Yeah. Like two nights ago, we watched it. It's, like, a, it's a gasp. Oh. Well, Fincher, Fincher brings the gasps. He's such a good yeah. He never, he never backs off. He no. does not. Goes all in. Yeah, he goes all he's he's unafraid of getting yeah. in, getting into the game. So then Desi gets home. She's in she's she's back. She looks she's back and then some. She's wearing like this white dress. She's got her hair all like sharp. She looks utterly gorgeous. Yeah. I would um if I were a single man. Ooh la la, yeah. I I I get my throat slit too. We'll, yeah. we'll just call it like it is. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd go to the charnel house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I saw God before I went to the gates of hell because I saw her. I got a chance to make out with her. <laughs> but anyway, she seduces him. And what follows is um, really what had the audience that I was at that Burbank screening, screaming oh, yeah. and squirming. They get really into it. They get naked. It gets very graphic. And then yeah. she... Pulls a straight razor out from under the pillow and slits his throat, and he bleeds and bleeds and bleeds and bleeds all over the place. Man, she yeah. holds him down. She kills the guy. Kills, yeah. kills straight him. Up murder. Yeah, no murders, remorse. Murders him. No remorse. And you're like, whoa, what more can this movie like bring? Yeah. She is like covered in this man's blood, head to toe. Too. <laughs> the next it's morning, wild. Ben Affleck's going out to get the vapor. <laughs> She's driven the car right into their lawn. She gets out of the car covered in blood. Fincher, brilliantly, she falls into Ben Affleck's arms. But first she hugs him and Ben Affleck says, I can think of what he's been waiting to say for an hour and a half of this movie. Which is, you fucking bitch. And yeah. she falls like in his arms. Fincher does that care, like the romantic crane like, for the big romantic, like you would put in a romantic movie. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. And all the press is like, oh my god, they're here. They're adorable. They're back. And it gets funnier and weirder and more tragic from here and in this like last coda section. They go to the hospital and the cops are like, and it's so funny. It's all these male cops and Rhonda. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all the male cops are like, what's happened to you? And she, her story is that she got taken hostage by Desi, mm-hmm. tortured, assaulted, 
And the only way she could escape was by killing him, killing her way out. She's a hero. The monster yeah. is dead. Mm. All the cops are like, oh, what has happened? You pretty beautiful blonde lady. <laughs> I'm so sorry about what happened to you. And Rhonda's like, none of this. This is all really weird. Like, she's like, really like, huh? Like, none of this makes sense. Yeah. This is all really odd. And this lady seems like the scariest woman in the world and might be a truly cold-blooded murderer. Like Like a Lex Luthor, an actual (laughs) supervillain. It's like truly insane. And how she like plays everybody in the room except for Rhonda, but then all the guys like, why don't you shut up, man? She's back. She's home. Even like, Ben Affleck is like staring at her like, just like incredulous. Like, yeah. What the fuck, man? And Patrick Fugit gets. Can't you just be happy your wife is home, man? <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, so it's so funny. And then they go home, and she's like, "Undress. I need to know you're not wearing a wire." It's like, what the fuck? And we get probably the scene of the movie, maybe. Yeah, but they're they're in the they're in the shower. She's cleaning off blood, deeply insane. Like and ex- oh, and explaining a... how it's all going to work out. We've got the plan. Fun. Just go with it. And ben Affleck's like, "You killed somebody. What the fuck, man?" Like, yeah. he's starting to make sense at this mm-hmm. point. In no, yeah, no, like, you know, you're almost down his in his. Yeah, like, you're back. You're just... back to him because you're like, oh, he's now in. He's, he's, he's in a pickle. It's gonna be yeah. This is, this is quite a jam he's in. Yeah, it's like oh, so I play along with this lady who now scares who I don't like and now scares me in a really profound way. Yeah, <laughs> and, did, I, and I, can't, I can't leave because I will be buried, either literally, figuratively, or both. Yeah, if I do. And she's like, fine. And she's like, kissing like this big smile. She's like, yeah, just go along with it. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then the he won't sleep with her. He's got the cat. And he's like <laughs> sitting alone in his like study, just petrified of his wife. Like with this like this little cat. It's like as his only company. And it's just so weird and funny. And then we got to the seat at the airport where Tyler Perry's leaving to go back to New York. And Rhonda's there and goes yeah. all the characters like quote unquote the good guys of the, the whatever. Mixed brain trust. The, the the brain trust and like, wait a second, something is up here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of group. And they can't do anything about it. <laughs> Tyler Perry's like, you're the most two, two, two most fucked up people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and I specialize in fucked up. It's like I'm sorry, we're laughing our ass. This movie's really funny. And uh, it's good. Like, yeah. let's call it like it is. It's really, really like exciting and thrilling and titillating. But it's, it's also like, yeah. super funny. It's and... a thriller, but yeah, it's like a black. It's a pitch black comedy. Oh, it's, it's hard. Is is so black. Yeah. And then basically, what follows is like he's trapped, and she's like, "Well, yeah, we're having a baby. 
yeah i, I stole your sperm basically <laughs> like yeah because it, it is like this thing where it's like yeah he's he like threatens to just like you know topple it all that he's like i don't care about myself i'll do whatever and then she's like but do you care about your future child i know and, <laughs> and he's like oh no and he explains it to carrie coon the last time we see her she's like crying on the floor like that <laughs> that woman's yeah. got you trapped like <laughs> demented it is a demented it's so situation. demented and then they go on the news at the end he has to hold her hand he it does get physically violent with her which i think is a really like um bold choice yeah. because it's like um just when you kind of ha- are on his side yeah he, like he, he gets physically way. violent you're like oh like this they're gonna kill each other they're going to, and that's like how the movie ends. Is this yeah. like at some point, someday, one of them is going to kill the other one? Yep. But the, it also ends after he shoves her into the wall very viciously. Her saying, "You think it's fucked up? Well, that's marriage, baby." Like, it's like you're like, oh, this is condemns wow. the entire institution of marriage. <laughs> condemns maybe getting cl- like almost as bad as the end of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, throwing away the jacket. It's like. Condemns the entire institution of getting close to someone because why yeah. they could they're probably a sociopath or at the very least a lazy asshole. Yep, it'll end poorly. Why it'll bother? End poorly, and he's he, the movie ends with him dreaming of crushing her skull. Yeah, <laughs> and cut to the credits and whoa, Ooh, what a picture! Yeah. As dark as it is, I have to say, great time. It's a fun. It's an enjoy. It's a popcorn classic. It's like it's a true. A- like banger, fun time man. of the movie, yeah. Also, gotta shout out the Trent Reznor Atticus yes. Ross score. It's so, so I would, good. It's so. I, I would dreamy. call it um, twisted soap opera. Yeah, or like proto yeah. vaporwave too. Like yeah. it has like these vaporwave it's, elements. It's I so good. It. It's so good. Yeah, as I mean, man, not a huge surprise. Yeah, and um, so um. Reznor was tasked with creating the music equivalent of an insincere facade. And apparently, here's the story. David Fincher was at the chiropractor. He heard this music that was inauthentically trying to make him feel okay while in the session. And that became the perfect metaphor for the film. Challenge was simply, what is the musical equivalent of the same sort of facade of comfort and feeling of insincerity that the music represented? (laughs) My primary aim was to instill doubt and remind you that things aren't always what they seem. Uh, Check in, mate. You did it. You did it, Trent. You did it, Atticus. Atticus Also, um, we are talking about the David Fincher All-Stars here. Mm -hmm. Jeff Jeff Cronenweth back behind the camera. Sumptuously shot. Sumptuously shot. Kirk Baxter's editing. Oh, never better. I don't know. Yeah, it might be like it might be. It's crazy. Like, did they get nominated for Gone Girl as well? I they should have. I yeah, I did. I think because this movie was kind of pulpy, there wasn't as much. But in that way, but um, would it made it? You know. Also, should we shout out Trish Somerville's costume design because everyone's costumes really like capture their persona. Yeah, their so essence. Well. Yeah, which is all that really is. Um, that's really the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of costume design in general. Um, 
But yeah, this movie was a uh, smash hit. Um, opened on, um, pardon me, uh, opened the New York Film Festival September 26th of 2014, has mm -hmm. U.S. premiere, U.S. opening October 3rd of 2014 on a budget of 61 million dollars which is actually for something that's this sumptuous and this well made and this big i would call rather economic um made 369.3 million at the wow. box office this is what everybody want to see 167.8 in the u.s canada alone 201.6 in the other territories um estimated that the film made a profit of about 130 million making it one of the most profitable fil films of that very year. Gone Girl has a 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dark, intelligent, and stylish to a fault. Gone Girl plays to David Fincher's just six strengths while bringing out the best of stars Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. Um, it was it was really, you know, well praised. Um, yeah. Well, it was like it's like a rare, like it's critically lauded and also just mainstream, like, like, like the average film goer lauded it. Um and yeah, it was it was just like a um it, it was a good time at the movies, like you were saying. Uh there were some people though who um did not enjoy it. Uh, yeah, Slam Magazine's Ed Gonzalez wore the film two out of four stars, concluding Fincher and Flynn should have gone further and truly grappled with the real horror that by giving his relationship with Amy another chance, Nick is indulging in one of the great myths of feminism, that it emasculates men. Rather than undermine that noxiousness, Fincher enshrouds it in funeral brushstrokes that cast his Gone Girl as a fashionable fumbling into an abyss with, of willful denial. Maybe. Maybe. I, don't know. I, I guess, like, the thing to me is that like I feel like these characters are so um I guess they do represent like bigger themes and bigger things but I feel like Amy Dunn is such a unique like what she does is not indicative of some grander thing I don't know like it just feels uh, like yeah I think we have the tendency as audiences to say like What's you know? I I I really don't believe that like portraying something is a endorsement. Yeah, exactly. of something. I don't think that that's a correct. And it's not. Yeah, well, and, it's and, like... and one is not representative of all. One is just representative of one. This is a twisted story. Gillian Flynn described the film basically as the whole point is that these two people are pretending to be other people, better for mm -hmm. better people, versions of the dream guy and dream girl, but each one couldn't keep it up. So they destroy each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is, it's more about like, yeah, it's the, the society that's critiquing isn't so much gender studies as it's um, class. It's just, yeah. And um, social strata and American, like, like values, American mobile, values. Yeah. Literati types. Yeah. And kind of what, um, even if you're really, really, you know, kind of not being able to get out of your own way, the kind of even like the way in social media now you present yourself. What is the authentic you? 
is the authentic you even acceptable to you? Ooh. You know, like does it even exist anymore? Like at what point does yeah. the yeah? I think it's very interesting. So I, I, but I think it's easy. Obviously, it's very easy to do a gender study mm-hmm. review and critique of this movie, and. And I think what also opens it up kind of interesting is that because it's a female writer, because this is her big idea, it's like, and then she creates a woman who's, you know, difficult, yeah. doesn't live up to society's like a period. But isn't that exactly what the movie's critiquing to begin with? Yeah. Like, and it's like, interesting. And wouldn't you? Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, there should be all types of villains and I think so too. Botched figures. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If we really want equality, there should be shitty versions of every of everyone. Yeah, well, <laughs> In the same people... way there should be heroic versions of everyone. Yeah. And people want the opportunity to like, you know, it's kinda like live vicariously. Yeah. Well, being a human being, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I want to see you know, Rosamund Pike play like a hero character as well. You know, like because she's that good of an actor, but yeah. in this, it's like, oh, this is that's what makes this movie last and live. Is like it can I, like it pokes at you in uncomfortable ways, mm-hmm. and yeah. leaves you in a real like it. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very well, fascinating it... movie. I I mean, I don't I don't know if there's like, I also don't think there's like a real through line in like we are saying this about this particular thing. It's mm-hmm. a little more obscured because the characters are not um, their logic and their beliefs mm-hmm. are contradict have con they contradict themselves sometimes, which leads them to make decisions that feel irrational or like not um, smart, even if they are smart. For instance, you know, like. She's got this great plan. She's perfect. She's got the whole plan, but she underestimates the two rednecks. Yeah. She, you like, know. yeah. And she's not, like, it's not entirely, like, yeah. She's not like this. Uh, and it's, it's not yeah. like she is, um, the, the, um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the character from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Oh, Elizabeth, who's it's much, like who's much more of an archetype character. Yeah. And much more, like, uh yeah, there's like almost like an not always, but there seems to be like a degree of infallibility to her character. Like the the uh like the leap she can make, the intensity, like you know, the fact that she's able to kind of like Well, we watch a lot of movies to watch like the best. Yeah. Like, you know, like she's like the best. I wish she she's like um her only flaw is our you know is that she's antisocial, but is that really a flaw because society sucks so much? Yeah, like it's adventure. It's like, hey, I don't know if that's yeah. that much of a flaw. But she's the best at computers. She's the best at motorcycles. She's the yeah. best at looking cool with a mohawk. Like all, yeah. like you know, she's the you know, you're the coolest person on earth with one like minor thing that you have to fix, mm-hmm. and you either get that fixed or you don't. By the end of the movie, all the people and every single character in this movie has got too many. Yeah. They've got just as many negatives as positives, and all of their positives are a facade, for the most part. Yeah, and so it's very, um, it's complicated. Yeah, we're in the in gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie's living in the gray, and it's asking you to like, oh, who, who, who's the goodie? Who's the baddie? 
Well, <laughs> no one really. I mean, this is it's a but some would call that very cynical. You know, and I yeah. think that you could argue that this movie is very cynical. That everyone, oh, yeah. you know, that the very misanthropic, even mm-hmm. it has a very yeah dour um yeah it has a very low regard for the current state of like America and um uh, in particular all these people trying to kind of like the the ones that still have bits of the scraps from left from the desiccated corpse of America post collapse but they get totally run over anyone like i mean detective ronda yeah is probably going to face like punishment cuz she was embarrassed they arrested oh, yeah. they arrested him and then like they fucked up as cops the only one who gets away scot free is tanner yeah because yeah. he's yeah because he no he understands the game yeah. better than any of them he understands the what needs to be done he's the best at the game the, only, the but i guess at the end of the day i think the guy we want to be is patrick fugit who just gets to go home yeah he's, <laughs> well he's just another nick dunn He's a hundred percent another you're right, though. He's you're, going oh, back. The good call. Good yeah. call. Yeah. yeah. He's just you're going in, back yeah. home and he's just you're not just waiting paying, for something. Not not paying attention to his wife. Not yeah. paying attention to his kids. Sleepwalking. Sleepwalking through yeah. life. And he can get away with it. Yeah, because he's a straight white guy. Yeah. In America. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. And Nick Dunn is one of the few mm-hmm. to to learn the consequences of sleepwalking. He stepped on a rake. Yes, many, many, yeah. And that rake is slamming him over and over again <laughs> in purgatory as we speak. He's, yeah, he can't stop. He's Sideshow Bob. It's great. Yeah, uh, he. it's it's fascinating. So um, Gun Girl did receive quite a few accolades, mainly for Rosamund Pike, who really, this is yeah. the breakthrough. This is mm-hmm. the, um, such a supreme, intense, brave again performance um you know and up to the task it feels in the same vein as um almost um killian murphy and oppenheimer oh you finally get this shot like the baton is passed to you to kind of like i'm gonna lead a big one big thing Mm -hmm. number one to become a household name exactly yeah and the best are the ones who like take that as a strong responsibility and go with it he was only nominated for one Academy Award. He was nominated for Best Actress, Rosamund Pike. She did not win. Um, but, uh, you know, it was nominated for uh, four GGs, Ooh. if you will. Best Director, Best Actress, Best Screenplay, and Best Score. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck won the Razzie Redeemer Award at the Razzies. What is that award? Get out of here. <laughs> I guess that's like, like you want the Razzies to like, I would not go to that. If they were like, hey, you used to suck ass, but now you're great. Yeah. What's the deal? Fuck you. Get out of here. Fucking deal with the Razzies, man. God, they suck. I I hate those. I hate worst of the year lists. It's lame. Yeah. I'm freaking, freaking lame. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. Obnoxious. You know, this is this is the kind of thing though when you expand to ten movies nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. This is like the kind of reasoning to like get a movie like Gone Girl in there, nominated for Best Picture. I mean, the other nominees that year it was a pretty good year. It was Birdman, American Sniper, 
Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, Selma, Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Inherent Vice was that year too. We all know him. And uh, Foxcatcher was that year too. I, I saw. So, there's Inherent, a lot. Yeah, I saw Inherent Vice on a uh, plane ride back from I think like Australia, and mm-hmm. I had not slept for like 18 hours. And it was sounds like the, like perfect the right, way time, to, right time to watch Inherent Vice. Literally baby. the perfect yeah. way to watch that movie. It was just a great. Yeah, what a great experience I had yeah. watching that plane. Like being like totally sleep deprived and confused. And it's like, oh, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you 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 were Doc Sportello. Mm-hmm. Um, should be noted, Julianne Moore won for Still Alice that year. Oh, Very yeah. good, good performance. Yeah, but also kind of a career achievement. Like you're great, and you've never won before. That is true because I think that movie didn't get like any other accolades. No. Really, no, it yeah, didn't. yeah. It, oh, yeah. You know. We also got a Marion Cotillard for uh, Two Days One Night. Yeah, that's a good film. Yeah. That Dardines. Oh yeah. Reese Witherspoon was nominated for Wild that year too, so Ooh. it all came full yeah. circle. The movie she she was not in, and her and mm-hmm. another passion project of hers. Um. Yes, uh, but regardless, as we all know, the Academy Awards are meaningless. Yep, don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, this is a film that has um. Continue to find life, continue to find arguments, continue to even perplex people like Patrick and I have watched it 10 times and still, yeah. you know, still are like a little, I mean, I think, you know, trying to figure out what the intentions, what the, um, what the message is. Yeah, is like, there a message? Is there a message beyond like, people are awful? Um, but it doesn't really matter because as we found out so many times over at David Fincher, this man is a sicko entertainer yeah. of the highest order. He's a little freak. We love it. We love it. We love it, folks. He's, he's cinema's freak. And I love it. This is such a excellent addition to his catalog of genius sociopaths, people behaving badly, mm-hmm. shocking violence, shocking sex, shocking behavior. All done with a droll nihilism that we've come to love from this man. <laughs> it's the cavalcade of monsters, goons, freaks, and buffoons. Yeah, and a couple of innocents as usual. Oh, it should be yeah. noted, like, I forgot. Um, Scoot McNary also played an ex-boyfriend of hers who she ended up accusing of pretty heinous crimes. crimes. Yeah. And uh, I think it's... I've, I've I believe him that yeah. he perhaps screwed up some other way with her and yeah, found out what it was like to, um, but again, I think he fits the bill as well of another New York hipster writer guy Yep, who didn't live up to the character she needed him to play. Yeah. Perhaps so another she... guy sleepwalking as well. Yep. Another sleepwalking white dude. Yeah. And, um, he paid a price. He pays a price, and he's a broken shell of a man too. But he's he's one of my favorite actors, so I wanted. To, oh, he's um, so. Oh yeah, he's uh, so good. Yeah, I love him in Killing Me Softly, and uh, I'm just giant fan. I love him every time he shows up in anything. Oh I man, he's great just, in the um, Rover. He's yeah. a um, a supreme character actor in a time where we're we're running dangerously low oh, on man. weird on weird character actors. Yeah, I like. I almost watched Lyle Lyle Crocodile just because he's in that movie. Mm-hmm. Just almost. to see what he does. Just to see. I want to see what he does. Is like the dad in that movie. Yeah. What what's what does Scoop McNary as a dad look like? I don't know. 
I, I mean, he's he's older than I am, so he's. I think he's got. He probably is a dad. He probably is. Yeah, I think he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's just um, interesting. I feel like he never gets to play that type of role. There was a talk that uh, of a potential sequel in 2014, 2015. It was brought up. They said they were all open to the idea. Goner girl. Goner girl, but it never happened. Um, I, I'm fine with this. This is a I'm good okay. one and done. Yeah, we don't need to see okay. the. Yeah, although if you know if they did it, I'd probably be the first one in line at the. Thing. It would be a smash. You know, it would be yeah. a absolute maybe, smash. Maybe she meets the killer. Gone girl versus killer. Yeah. Well. Ooh. Her her real. Her real love connection. Would be with our beloved titular killer smith's loving <laughs> yoga performing german tourist dressing as yeah uh killer. fishing cap donning yeah michael fassbender and rosamund pike would look um perfect yeah. together too those like, are two people that they are would, like they would look perfect together <laughs> yeah they both yeah they both have that same ice talk, icy... talk, talk about, a man, about a man who has not gone to seed in any way, shape, or form. Oh no, he is. Yeah, he's 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 like uh, he's a robot. He's just he's just his character in Prometheus. I'm totally convinced. Yeah. yeah, but let's let's yeah. If we're gonna get a sequel, we need a killer gun girl crossover. Oh yeah, she hires him to kill Ben Affleck, and he fucks Ooh. up again. Yeah, again. <laughs> now again. she now she's after him to kill him. <laughs> Accidentally shoots the cat or something. Yeah, the oh, uh, Carrie Coon. Poor Carrie Coon gets in the way. No, that would yeah, it's fitting. Uh, he, be... he 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 plants a bomb in the bar. <laughs> he goes off at the wrong time. No, I like that he franchises the bar. Very funny. Yeah. Um, if you were like, man, this movie's actually not funny and not fun. Mm. Let us know. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um. I thought we were were quite fair to it, but yeah, what? Yeah, that's just me. Yeah, it's a fun time. Ten out of ten it's a smiles. Fun time. fun time. No goodies. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone's a baddie. Bangers. Yeah. Everyone's a baddie in the movie. You can love them. Yeah, because as we've always say, interesting is better than likable. Anyway, it's true. If you it's disagree true. with any of that? Send us an email at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail dot com or check in with us on X. Ooh. <laughs> Heard it on the X. Heard it on the X, man. Mm. <laughs> haven't been on X in a while. I know. I, I, know. I should probably. I should probably check that at some point. Yeah. All these. Yeah. Somebody's like sent us a message every week. Like you told us to message you, and yet no one looks at X. So. Oh man. I mean, yeah. We got, maybe like, maybe real... we'll get a blue. Maybe we'll we get got a blue like, sky. Eight, we got eighty-five messages from Richard Brody. I'd be so upset we missed him. Oh man, that'd be so. I that role, I'd love like. Although that'd be kind of daunting if he sent us eighty five. That's so many messages. That's well, an insane um, amount. <laughs> sight unseen. I bet he did not like Gone Girl. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I can see, my... Sometimes he throws a wild card though. Sometimes he likes this type of movie. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he likes David Fincher. Hmm. That's fair. I, I, I think see... he likes Social Network, but I don't think he likes David Fincher in general. Yeah, he, he maybe he's too frosty for him. He needs more. He is, yeah. And I think he needs, um, yeah, and a little more like bleeding heart liberal. Yeah, kind of stuff he's, that needs a little that, more. That, that, like, yeah, that rich, that rich is all for. Anyway, he's got regardless. he's got that Bradley he got that Bradley Whitford and get out in him. 
Get a little bit of that dog in him. <laughs> I wish he was in it instead of Bradley Whitford. That would be so funny. <laughs> so funny. With his beard. With his beard, beard. yeah. <laughs> I would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Um, Incredible. Next week, on, next week on the program, we are covering Antoine Fuqua's Emancipation. Ooh, man. I am looking forward to this from 2022. Uh, you've said you liked it. Some other people have said they don't. Um, yeah, I was definitely in the. Um, I felt it's like I was in the minority on this one. I, but I've not seen it. I'm. Um, I'm curious. I'm yeah. Very curious because it, this seems like, like a big swing for Antoine. Um, it's a dour uh, movie. I'm gonna war- give you a heads up. It's not fun. No, this I is not a no fun idea, time of the movie. No idea when I'm gonna watch it this week. Like, I'm, Jen's never in a million years gonna sit down and watch this. Yeah, movie it's not me. fun. Like, it's not a fun for the whole no. family type of movie. No, an Antoine Fuqua movie without a sense of humor. No, no way. Insane. <laughs> impossible. Impossible. What in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> totally impossible. Antoine uh, Oopsal Goofs Fuqua. Yeah, I know, man. Fun, uh, notorious funny man. Yeah. Uh, Emancipation is on Apple TV Plus. Mm. That's where you watch it. You don't got it. You don't got it. You ain't. <laughs> like, no, I'm how sorry, about them not... apples? Yeah, how about them apples? Because you're not invited. No. A uh, week after that, Patrick. Oh. I'm going to start preparing for it this week. I'm going to do some background research. Uh, we're going to be talking about 20... 20s mank yes let's go we have talked about mank in passing yeah for like what three years on this show multiple many times we have just we have talked about mank we, i am on the record as a mank head i think y'all y'all ready for some eric messer schmidt lore <laughs> yes do you see him in the credits as a chief lighting technician for Gone Girl. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, he got yeah. promoted, baby. <laughs> My boy, he made it through. Yeah. It is like, yeah, it is like seeing like, uh, like I'm um, like watching the Godfather trilogy and seeing like some characters like grow and like, oh, it's like, oh, this guy, this guy that was once like a soldier. He's now like a bigger part of the universe. Yeah. 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 No. And, uh, you know, and and he's the guy now. For yeah, Finch. he's the guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, fans. so we'll be talking about Mank. We will be talking about Citizen Kane. Mm. So if you're following along very closely at home, and we appreciate you, if you are, this would be a good time to get a jump on things because it will be fairly important to also, despite not being covered, watch Citizen Kane for also, background. And great why not? excuse why, to watch why, Citizen why, Kane. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward to it because I haven't watched it since uh, college. I watched it in my sophomore year. They just had like a, a random screening of Citizen Kane. And I remember like I kind of like avoided that movie for the longest time because it built like you know it's the type of movie that builds a um well, it like has a... um it has the vibes of homework written yeah. all over it and it's just not at all. It's actually like a total blast. It, well, but... it's like one of those rare movies it lives up to the hype. It's yeah. that good. It yeah. is like, you know, is it my favorite movie of all time? Probably not, but you understand why it's like the aggregate favorite movie of all time. Yes. Um, I also recommend reading Holly Kale's long form essay, Raising Kane. Mm. And if you can also track it down, I believe it was in GQ, Peter Bogdanovich's rebuttal to that essay. 
as well. Got a feeling um, it's not about the chicken restaurant. It's it, it is it about uh, well, what's 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 controversial about raising canes? It's delicious. We know that. Yeah, we <laughs> like, love it, yeah. <laughs> Peter. No, it's actually overrated. <laughs> Peter. Come on, dude. Come on, Peter. It's great. The sauce is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. Surely you're a caniac. Um, okay, so it was in Esquire, October of 72. The S- Bogdanovich's essay is called The Cane Mutiny. Um, <laughs> I love that. There's also Jonathan Rosenbaum's book that Ooh. co-written with Peter Bogdanovich, This is Orson Welles, which is quite interesting. I'm looking um, this up now. So there is, I mean, and then there's a lot of essays that were written in the modern day, both in the pro and anti authorship mm-hmm. camp, because we will be getting into all the brass tacks and details on authorship, the role of the writer, the role of a father to a son, mm. and um, Gary Oldman being too damn old. To play Mank, despite being very entertaining, man. Uh, great, great performance. <laughs> uh, performance. Far way too, too old. Way too fucking old. Yeah, he's like maybe like what? He's like in his sixties in that movie. Gary Oldman was in his early sixties, and it should be noted that Herman J. Mankiewicz died at fifty-five. Ooh. Um, so he was older than Herman Mankiewicz ever was wow. when he was playing Herman Mankiewicz as a thirty something year old man um yeah i'd be curious to know the uh reasoning for casting i mean gary oldman is great in it we will get into it we could talk we will talk about that we'll talk about the cast the history of the project whether it's good Mm. (laughs) i guess if if, if it turned out any good at all if it's a weird lark if it's just a son's tribute to his father um if it's irresponsible Mm. too because we just don't this whole who is the writer of this movie is still right, right, very, right. Oh. very much despite it, the despite the fact everyone involved being very long term dead, um, still a hot button topic because Citizen Kane, as long as it remains in the top of the canon, will be um, always a topic of concern among cinema fans. And the final thing to really note is how an auteur would have such desire to take down another auteur. Ooh. Yeah, like why would yeah? I, the, what what is the animus that drives them? Yeah, indeed. So we'll be talking about that in two weeks' time. But until then, um, you know, keep your cats close. Yeah, you never, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, and uh, really quickly, uh, Don, uh, say chicken frito pie. Chicken frito <laughs> pie. Snap, <laughs> click. <laughs> Okay, Don just did a smile. I like like, um, Ben Affleck's immediate, like, oh shit, I should not have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's such a great thing. He tries to take it away from me. I'm going to need it. And then he's like, but also, they kind of plan that he can, like, we never truly find out how physical he is with women. And he could be very, he could be like, that could be something he does, which is obviously awful and terrible. Yeah. Um, but they never, like, I love it. I love how great it is. Yeah. Like, oh, is it like, like, yeah, he's, they're playing with you the entire time with this movie. It's great. 
Oh, the you're getting really, keeps you're getting really, toes. you're getting really fucked with. It's good. Yeah. We're gonna go right back in just re-record this episode now. <laughs> Talk about it all over again. <laughs> it's, it's good. We like this movie. It's very fun. It's not. It's not infinite. <laughs> no, it's the antithesis of infinite. Yeah, yeah, uh, it kind of is. Anyway, we'll see you next week on the show. Thank you all for listening. I don't say that enough. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Have we can end day. on a sincere note talking about this grimace, like mean yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna be no no goofs, just you're all great. No goofs, just smooth, baby.